Welcome to the table. You are listening to the Kingstown Communion podcast with lead pastor Michelle Matthews. The Kingstown Communion is a new United Methodist Church existing to gather people into communion with Jesus Christ through courageous conversation, creative community, and collaborating for the common good. For more information about upcoming events and opportunities to serve, visit our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Kingstown Communion. We're glad that you're listening along with us. If you live close by, we hope you'll join us for worship in person. And if you ever feel so inclined to help us by giving financially, you can do so on our website, kingstowncommunion.net. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. He destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and insight, he has made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure that he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to gather up all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In Christ, we have also obtained an inheritance, having been destined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to his counsel and will, so that we, who who were the first to set our hope on Christ, might live for the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in him, were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. This is the pledge of our inheritance toward redemption as God's own people, to the glory, uh, to the praise of his glory. The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So I will understand completely if you, if your heart did not flutter and if you did not get excited by that verse you just heard read. (laughs) This is what we're afraid of when we choose to go all in on Paul in one of his letters. Here we are, just like the first half of the first chapter, and it's already like we're glazing over, and it is over our heads, right? Yeah. It's not the kind of thing we stitch on pillows. It's not the kind of verse we go around saying, this is my favorite verse. This is my life verse, right? And if you think this is dense in English, you better be glad you're not reading it in the original Greek. There are 201 words between verse 3 and verse 14 in the first chapter of Ephesians. But in the original Greek, 
all of these words make up one long run-on sentence. The longest sentence in all of the Bible. Thank God the English translators added like commas and periods. So it doesn't still seem to have helped us read it, right? It's just a lot of highfalutin language. It's highfalutin. The writer speaks of huge concepts with aims that feel really high. We have a spiritual inheritance, he says, and our destiny is to live as God's eternal purpose. And as we set our hope in Christ, we live for the praise of Christ's glory like nobody but preachers talks like this, <laughs> right? And I put, I put a lot of effort into not talking like that so that you all will stay awake. <laughs> when you go home or you turn off today's worship service, if you're watching um, at home or you're you know, having conversations later with loved ones over lunches, I don't know if y'all are celebrating afterwards, I, I can't imagine any one of you in conversation saying, well, lately I've been claiming the pledge of my inheritance toward redemption to the praise and glory of Jesus Christ, right? That's probably not how you would talk about your faith. You might not even talk about your faith. This is the letter to the Ephesians. This is what we run into immediately. There are a lot of big words in Ephesians, words like salvation and redemption and predestination and revelation, words that nobody usually uses and should people like me, and, and maybe a few of you, I would like make nod to Matt, Matt Binsky if he was sitting in this chair right here. Like a few people use these words on a regular basis. Um, if we should actually speak of them, people look at us curiously and they clam up and they don't know what to do with it. Because such words have this tendency not to spark conversation, but to actually shut conversation down not to strengthen the church's relevance in the world, but rather to keep us detached from the rest of the world, those people who talk about all those words. Nobody talks like this outside the church. And with the, with the exception of Matt Bensky, no one really still talks like this inside the church either. The church even, we got way bigger things to talk about, right? What do we talk about? We've got sign-up sheets for setup, for trunk retreat, for Thanksgiving at Rising Hope. You better sign up. And we need people to sign up. Oh, and we've got to organize that trailer as soon as possible. But also, there's that one thing that we never fixed that we're hoping never goes bad, but thank God we only drive like, you know, a quarter of a mile. We should probably take care of that one day. We talk about that. Haven't done it. And we've got to figure out our new rhythm of small groups, our, of common tables here at Kingstown when they're meeting, what new ones need to be formed, what do we do about the ones that seem to have changed during a pandemic. We have to make sure our revenue meets our expenses, we talk about that, and that we have enough children's workers to abide by our insurance policy. And we've got a list of people who haven't returned to church in quite a while since the pandemic, and we should probably reach out to them again. We talk about that. 
And we've got worship series to plan and band members to convene and get them to answer surveys. And Advent coming up, <laughs> what will we preach? What will we plan? What will we host? What will, what will we study? Will we have animals at the barn this year? How will we reach new people? How will we keep our people cared for and connected? And then we hear the opening words of Ephesians. God has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world, but to be holy and blameless before him in love. And, and it just feels like there's this immediate disconnection between the high and holy words of, our, of scripture and the kind of lives we actually live on the ground. A friend of mine recently um, visited a Russian Orthodox church and she said it was so much more than she could even take in the experience, the smells, the tastes, the sounds, the, 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 how beautiful it was, the gold icons, the haunting chants, the heavy incense, the, the heavenly liturgy. And then she said, gosh, Michelle, it's, it's so incredibly beautiful but I have no clue what it has to do with my life. That's the feeling we often get from those first words of Ephesians. The words, they swirl up like chants and incense while somebody downstairs forgets it was her turn to bring the snacks for children's church, right? I wonder if you really know this disconnection. Some call it the divorce between Sunday morning and Monday morning. To put it as a question, what does our worship on Sunday have to do with, with oh, the labor of Monday? When the world looks at the church, they are asking this question, and yet the first chapter of Ephesians would declare that the question, we've got the question all backwards. Ephesians would shout to us today that the real question is, what does our labor on Monday have to do with our worship on Sunday? What is it that we discover here that makes a difference in everything we do all week? What are the mysteries in here that we live out when we step outside this room? Reflecting on that massive sentence that is our text today in Ephesians, Eugene Peterson says, and he's actually, if you like the message, I'm not a big fan of the message version of the Bible, but if you like it, he's the writer of the message. He was known for many other things besides that. Eugene Peterson says, the writer of Ephesians today describes the church that we never actually see. We see the signups and the trailer wheel that needs fixing and the connections lost and the ones we still need to make and we see the common tables regrouping and the rainy Sunday attendance and the emails that have gone unanswered and the volunteer slots unfilled and the mission we would like to do if we had more money. But Ephesians sees a people in whom God is saving the world. Here in chapter one, for instance, the church is full of people called saints, of holy ones, and we squint and we scratch our heads thinking like, who are they? We have seen the people that are not here, and we've seen the mom who snuck in late, and the crying toddler, and the bored teenager, and the disengaged guy with his arms folded in the back, and the woman with a serious, resting, blessed face, and the communion server who forgot to show up, 
um, and the kid who eats the bread after worship and the one who broke the cross running around even though we told them not to run after service. We see all of those pieces, but Ephesians sees us gathering as saints, saints whose names have been given by Christ. Ephesians says that they are the holy ones because power is at work in them and has been ever since God raised Jesus from the dead. And the saints, they, they recognize a greater authority over their lives than, than the threat of illness or the quicksand of despair or the, the disengagement of busyness and overscheduled lives. Thanks be to God, something really big is going on here. And Ephesians uses all these enormous words to name it. Redemption, maybe, or salvation, or it's glory, or wisdom, or power. This is God's mission to the world. If only we were to see it. One of my favorite Norman Rockwell paintings um, is just of St. Thomas Church in New York City. And it's, um, it's this picture of this gloomy day on Fifth Avenue. And people are just shuffling by on Fifth Avenue and a flock of doves fly upward while pedestrians shuffle their feet with their eyes downcast. And then you see the priest who has just given his sermon title to the sexton in front of, in front of this church who puts the words out on the outside bulletin board sign out the church. Lift up thine eyes. That's, that's basically what Ephesians is about. That's the message of Ephesians today. See that God has come down here to salvage the world and then do something to take part in that work. Look through, through the moment Look through this moment to see what is truly going on here through the preaching and through the mission of the church. Lives are claimed and commissioned by God. The community is fed by grace. These moments are all kinds of glory. The church is built here on the ground and these people in the imperfection of their lives. Even in the prison cell where Paul writes this letter, he sees nothing but the blessings of God. In every single line, the spiritual inheritance is named. Our spiritual inheritance is named. In Jesus, we have redemption and forgiveness. In Christ, the riches of grace are lavished upon us. In Jesus, we come to understand the hidden wisdom of God's will for our lives. In Christ, all the scraps of our lives are gathered up and they're stitched together. In Jesus, we inherit the promises of God. In Christ, we know God's good pleasure in the world. And even though from age to age the church may be shaken and the church may be floundering and the church may be tested, the God we know in Jesus Christ still conveys these blessings. That's the message of Ephesians. There is this blessing hanging over Paul's letter to the Ephesians, that triumphant letter in, in which he crowns Christ as the ruler of all creation and the church as Christ's body not two entities, but one entity. God chooses an instrument for the reconciliation of the world and he chooses us to do it. From the heart of, of Christ's body shall flow all the transformation of the love of God. And what we're aiming to do together over the next um, seven weeks is as we move through Ephesians, 
this October and into November is to be reminded of this. That we are in desperate need of believing in the church again. Even the people who come to church don't believe in the church anymore. We're in desperate need of knowing that all our believing and all our hoping and all our giving and serving is not in vain, but it's a part of God's great purposes for the world, indeed a visible sign of God's grace and God's good pleasure. That in the large and looming Greco-Roman epicenter of Ephesus and in the shadow of the U.S. Capitol, Paul's letter to the Ephesians is a reminder to us, the church, to every church at the edge of empire of the remaining significance and influence of the body at Christ at work in the world. We got to believe in the church again. And the blessings named in Ephesians, all those words above our heads that we read, are lived out on the ground here through the mercies and the stories and the strengths of the people who show up here. So I'm just, just going to show you where we're going to go in this series. Mainly, we'll be studying Ephesians. You can tell that from this. Um, there are six uh, chapters in Ephesians. You're also going to get a release on Wednesday every week of me reading through the full, on, on the podcast, of me reading through the full chapter. So this Wednesday, there will be me reading through the full chapter of Ephesians with you and making some reflections. If you listen on our podcast, you'll get to listen along to that. So if you're a person who doesn't really want to read on your own, maybe you can listen on your drive. And then... After the first, oh, actually, keep that up. After the first three weeks, <laughs> um, then we're going to move on to connecting this, connecting this book with um, your actual gifts that you get to offer the church, your strengths. So I have said um, that, uh, I've already put it out there, I'm inviting each of you to take this high fives strength assessment. Um, if you can, she'll see the link on the screen in a second, but um, it's just a simple test, super easy, free, and, it, and it's like strength finders, but just free, that's also part of it. Um, but it tells you, it gives you kind of the top five wonderful traits that you have. Um, and those, those traits, break down into four main areas of the way we interact with the church and the way that we um, interact in the world. Um, and those four main areas are, we're gonna, ha we're gonna find by doing this, who are our feelers? Who are our motivators? Who are our thinkers? And who are our doers? And then Ephesians actually gives us a picture of what this looks like when the church is at its best, when our feelers are feeling at their best, and when our doers are doing at their best, and when our feelers are learning from our doers, and our doers are learning from our feelers, and our thinkers are learning from our motivators, and actually making disciples and not just thinking about doing it. This is how we're going to do this. So the, next, the last four, we're going to uniquely dial in, but in order to know which one you were dialing in for, you're going to take the test. And we are going to map out and see who is predominantly our thinkers, who are predominantly, and some of you might be divided across. Um, what this does is it helps us know also, for instance, we are building up our care team. Um, we are, I don't know, we don't have a lot of people who are deeply feeling people in our congregation. It's a problem of DC metro area. It is. It's a part, of, and it's a part of this area. It's true. A part of this area is 
people come to this area as doers and thinkers, and sometimes motivators too, but not very many are the people who are um, uh, really care and are empathetic um, and, and to a degree that could really transform the care ministry of our church, right? We wanna know who you are. We wanna know who those people are. So as we build this church together, we are going to build this church, exercise our strengths, and we're gonna get swole, okay? Um, so um, as we round out, here's a final story, and maybe this will help you understand this a little bit better. A few years ago, Chris and I went on a, um, a, a vacation to New Hampshire, and um, we, we discovered that um, we weren't very far when we were there um, visiting the place that we went for, that we weren't very far from, um, from a, a mountain that, that is known up there. Um, and please, if you are from New Hampshire, please uh, forgive me if I butcher it. It's um, um, Monadnock, Monadnock. Monadnock, that's what it is. Um, Mount Monadnock, um, it's very hard to say. So Mount Monadnock was right down the, um, the street from where we were and we figured, well, why don't we take a hike? Um, and the locals told us um, that no locals actually go to this mountain. It's kind of like the Statue of Liberty in New York City. Like nobody who lives there actually goes to the Statue of Liberty. None of the locals went to Mount Monadnock. And so we went, we were like, we'll check it out anyways. We turned at a sign. We went down the road, and then we drove right past it. And then we backed up again and drove, and then all of a sudden it was past it again. And we could not, where do you turn to get to Mount Monadnock? We could not figure out where to turn. And so we did this three or four times, and then we totally gave up and decided we were just gonna go get lunch afterwards. Um, and then it was like three years later, I was randomly flipping through this book, and I came across this poem it was so bizarre, but it was exactly the poem I needed to make sense of that moment. And the poem went like this. We see the sign, Monadnock State Park. As it flashes by after a mile or two, we decide to go back and we can't pass by Monadnock without seeing it. I say, turn around, head down the side road. Monadnock Realty, Monadnock Pottery, Monadnock Designs no mountain and nognot. Then the signs fall away and nothing but trees in the darkening afternoon. We don't speak, we pass a clearing and you say, I think I saw it or part of it, a bald rock maybe, miles and miles and miles more. Finally, I pull over and we consult a map. Monognot's right here, it says, or just back there, it says, but we should see it. We're practically on top of it. And driving back, we look, trees a flashing of clearing, purple rock, but we are, it seems, too close to see it. Here it is, we're on it. It's under us. I think that's the realization of Ephesians. Here it is, right here, the thing that will change the world. We are on it, we are, it is under us, it is us. And all those high in the sky blessings, redemption or forgiveness or riches of grace or hidden wisdom, heavenly inheritance, promise, purpose, and all God's good pleasure, all of those seem over our heads, but the truth is they are just under our feet. Would you pray with me? 
God, we want to build your church. Um, we don't just want to be an individual who shows up in a seat on a Sunday morning um, because we'll fill these words. They weren't made for individuals in their lives. We can't make sense of these words when we're out doing the daily things we, we like to do uh, and, and we're out charting our own path. In fact, that leads us to just thinking the church is irrelevant to our lives. It's when we read these words, believing in the influence of the church in the world, that they come alive for us. And we realize it's not over our heads, but it's right there in our gut. It's not over our heads, but it's right under our feet. And so we long to be the church, God. Uh, as we go through this series, we we ask that you would um, help guide us into the ways that you would have us um, strengthen the body, build the church. We pray this in the name of Jesus who taught us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.